0: Well, we are in here for the treat because this morning we are continuing in the series of our studies on the book of Matthew. And uh, last week, you know, uh, Wang Yan has uh, given us this Matthew chapter 1 and it's so beautiful. And, uh, you know, we we saw how God fulfilled his covenant to Abraham and David through the birth of Jesus Christ. That Jesus uh, Christ became the eternal king. And also, Jesus is a Messiah that will bless all nations. Amen. Well, today we are going to look into Matthew chapter 2, verse 1 to 12. Now, when we look into Matthew chapter 2, you know, yesterday after the message, somebody was asking me when I read Matthew chapter 2, it just takes me maybe one or two minutes, right? Because it's nothing much, it's just a story about Christmas. Well, so usually, yes, Matthew chapter 2 is about the birth of Jesus Christ and uh, it is, it is uh, usually shared or preached during December, Christmas time. But now it's uh, March. What about that, you know? But we are going to look into Matthew chapter 2 in a different perspective and, and uh, it's going to be beautiful for you and the Lord is going to bless you with that. Now, what we're going to do is now, we let us read that. Passage of scripture together this morning as we come into the house of God. It is good to look into the scriptures and read it together. Amen. Yeah? Okay. If you have your Bible, you can turn into it. To read. If you, if not, you can look up to the screen and read it together with me. Matthew chapter 2, verse 1 to 12. And I want your cooperation from you know the front to the to the back. And from the left to the right, let us all yeah, reach out when the Word of God is, you know, is shown or is, is here, is, is lifted up. Let us lift up our voice to, to read out aloud. Amen, as an honor and reverence to God. Okay, come, let's read together. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his stars when he rose, and had come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people, chief priests, and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem, in Judea, they replied, For this is what the prophet has written. report to me, so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them, until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed on coming to the house. They saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshiped him then they opened their treasures and presented him with this gift of gold frankincense and myrrh and having been warned in the dream not to go back to haram they returned to their country by another route let us pray we are so thankful god this morning that we can look into your word help us a lot to understand that we can apply it and give you all the glory in jesus name amen now, I'm going to debunk some of the wrong imagination of the nativity scene that we have uh, you know, b- received and been presented by media or postcards like this. You know, uh, okay, where is it? Yeah, the, you know, this nativity, uh, uh, nativity scene that we have seen very often and we have uh, received it and accepted it and uh, even use it to send out as a Christmas greeting to our friends. Now traditionally, we have also accepted that the three kings dressed in the kingly attire came to, uh, no, on camelback with, with three gifts, that they came to worship Jesus at the manger. As you can see, this is a manger with a shepherd at the behind. But the passage we read just now, There was no mention about shepherds, yeah? It's only about the Magi and and, uh, and the three gifts. So, it is no mention about whether it is three or it could be ten, the number of people. But we take it for granted it's three because there were three gifts. Yeah, it could be, at least there will be uh, two because it says in other version, wise men. Yeah, wise men talk about plural and it should be more than one. So, we enjoy singing this song, especially the man, the macho man. We three kings of Oriana. Well, that also, that we accepted the song and sing it so beautifully that uh, there are three kings, and then they come from China or India side, right? Because Orient. But it is again, as it refer to the text, that uh, it did not mention about that i'll imagine we'll find out where they come from And it says the east and the east doesn't mean it is from the Orient part now our imagination of the three kings at the stable was crushed when we read verse 1 itself because in verse 1 it says after jesus was born in bethlehem they saw the star the magi saw the star so it could not be after jesus was born immediately they were at the manger yeah it takes some time, it's a distance that they need to come to the manger. But in verse 11, it confirms that it is certainly not right because when the male guy came to Jesus, he was already a child. And he came into the house, not the stable, and, the, and not a baby at the manger. Well, so much about, you know, debunking about the imagination that we have and now our views are correct, especially on Matthew's uh, uh, perspective. Yes, the Magi brought three gifts. It's correct. And what are the three gifts? You know, there's someone that went to our kids zone and asked the children, "What did the Magi bring to Jesus?" And one young boy was so excitedly and says, "Yeah, teacher, I know." He says he brought Jesus. You know, they brought Je- to Jesus. Go. Frankenstein and Smurf. <laughs> well, parents, that is how much you're giving your children the, movie, the Disney movies. What actually did they bring? They brought go frankincense and mirth. Frankenstein and frankincense. Sometimes our tongue will get twisted, right? Yeah. So this is the correct gifts that they brought. Now we are going to look at the three types of worshipper that came to worship Jesus, or the, that were or responded to the birth of Jesus Christ. Now, the first one that we are gonna look at, the passage that we read, was King Herod. Now, King Herod was appointed by the emperor of Rome, king of the Jews over Jerusalem. Now, he was a great builder in his era, and the most significant uh, building that he bought he he uh, he built once the, the temple to the Jews, and it was named after him, King Herod's Temple. And what about him? Well, when uh, in, in the you know when I did some research, I find that his obsession uh, to in keeping his throne, he were he was so paranoid and vicious and evil that if he found any threat to his uh, throne, he would kill. He will kill them. He killed his own favorite wife and his two sons. Just imagine yeah, killing your wives and your sons just for your throne. And that caused Caesar to quote him that it is better to be Herod's pigs than to be Herod's sons. Why? Because as a Jew, he doesn't you know, kill the, the pigs, right? At least, or they, do, they don't eat pork. So what was Herod's posture when he heard about this magi coming to look for the king of the Jews and found that he, he is not the one they're looking for. He felt so insecure. In verse uh, 3, Herod was troubled. In verse 8, it says that uh, he was deceptive in saying that he wanted to worship Jesus when they found them. But actually, you go down to verse 16. He killed them. He killed all the one generations of children from age two, uh, you know, from age two and below. So Herod was a religious Jew. Externally, he did all the right things in the eyes of men. But in the eyes of God, it is not. So his heart was very far away from worshiping God. So he is not the type that we want to. Yeah, you know, to be as a worshiper. Now the second type is the chief priests and the scribes. Now who are they? The chief priests and the scribes, they were custodians of the scriptures. And uh, in verse 4 to verse 6, when Herod gathered them together, they, the religious teachers confirmed the inquiry of the Magi in Micaiah chapter 5 verse 2 that says, out of Bethlehem in the land of Judah shall rise and a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. So these men are very knowledgeable uh, religious teachers and who were on the spot and can give you all the theological correct answers. But what about their posture in receiving this king? They were indifferent. Yeah, They knew God's word. They have the instruction, but they need nothing about it. Just imagine, those of you who went to Bethlehem before. You know, Jerusalem is about six miles away from Bethlehem. And, and uh, you know, these uh, custodians of the Scriptures, they know that the Messiah is coming, and yet they did nothing to check out whether this Jesus that these bad guys are looking for is the Messiah they're waiting for. And therefore, Jesus warns us against this, this type of scribes and teachers. He says, Jesus says in Matthew chapter 23, He says, that, practice and obey what they teach you, but don't follow their example. For they have the knowledge of scriptures, but they don't practice what they teach. Surely, these are not the type of worshippers that we want to follow. Now, let's look at the third group of worshippers, the Magi. They were from the east, as we have written. And in Matthew chapter 1, verse 17, last week we found that these uh, Israelites were exiled to uh, Babylon or Persia area during the reign of King Nebuchadnezzar. And uh, Daniel at that time served the Babylonian and the Persian kings. And he was appointed as a chief priest. Oh or no, oh, chief wise men, rather, sorry. Chief wise men over all the wise men in, in that empire. And certainly, you know, Daniel have influences over these wise men, and we have taught them about the coming, you know, Messiah that is going to happen. So the Magi, we found they are not kings, they are wisest to the kings, they are wise men, yeah, they are magicians. The Magi word is a Latin word. And that's where we get magicians, astrologers, astronomers, they were pagan and educated people. Now, what was their posture when they heard, you know, when they want to receive the king? They were very much devoted. You know, in ancient times, you must understand that astrology and astronomy were very important as stars predict events. So, when they, when they saw an extraordinary star that rose up, they took that as a sign that Herod had an event. So they pursued their inquiry by looking into records about stars. And they found in Numbers 24, verse 17, Balaam prophesied that I see him, but not now. I behold him, but not near. A star was coming out of Jacob. A sceptre will rise out of Israel. So their finding led them to Jerusalem. Why? Because there's a place where the Jews were living. And secondly, we found in the verse two, in chapter two, verse two, the Magi. They were very devoted in their cause to seek for the divine King, that they may worship him. And in verse 6, we found that the prophecy of Micah confirmed that inquiry on the, on the king is legit, and he is also the Messiah of all people. Now join us, join me right now, even as we come to learn about the pursuant of the Magi, for Jesus, the way they pursue it, and their responses when they meet King Jesus. Surely, this is a time of worshippers that we want to learn their postures and their responses. I'm going to title the message today as, We Must Worship Like the Magi." Now, how can we worship like the Megai? We are going to look at three points. The first one, we must worship with expectation. Secondly, we must worship with expression. And thirdly, we must worship with extravagance. Now, let's come to the first point. We must worship with expectation. Now, yesterday, you know, I, I met one lady and I said, Hey, Pastor Gilbert, I, I see that you are going to preach today. Oh, I, I came you know, with expectation to, re, to listen to you. you know? well, I said, That's good. You will see that one of my points is about expectation. <laughs> okay. Now, we found that the magi came to find the king that they may worship him. And to do that, they were willing to pay a heavy price. What was the price? Because from where they were, that's, you know, from Persia or from uh, uh, this Babylon area, to come to Jerusalem would take them 800 miles. And today, in a metric, uh, you know, it's about 1,250 kilometers. Just imagine that distance, and they don't have, you know, high-speed rail, they don't have the Porsche's or the four-wheel drive. They came, you know, with, with all that horses uh, uh, or the camels that we think of, you know, all kinds of means. It is very slow. But they are also facing unknown dangers in front of them. And worse still, they have to leave their families behind. Just imagine. The par I mean, the wife, the children would ask them, Daddy or oh dear do you really need to go yeah and you know and the daddy, you know the the son says daddy please stay you know don't go but he says i need to go i need to find the king because when i found him it's going to be you know it's going to be good it's going to be good so that's why he left them and then had to go through tough terrain, had to go through, you know, uncomfortable ride, uncertain results. Whether they will find the king, we do not know. They do not know. And it's an uncertain destination. No ways, no Google map during the time. They do not know where to find him. They left everything behind with this expectation of encountering Something better than good is going to happen when they meet this king. So in verse 4, they say, when they came to Bethlehem, they had an audience with King Herod. Then they heard Herod saying this, that when they gathered the chief priests and the scribes, he says, where Christ is to be born. Now the word Christ means Messiah. And Messiah, you know, as we know, It is the saviour that the Jews were waiting for. So just imagine how excited it would be they came to look for a king that they can worship. But now they found that he is not only the king. He is the Messiah. He is the saviour of the world. Wow. It is you know a fantastic news that inspired and motivated them even to look further. Now just think about this. If the Magi are willing to pay such a high price to get into the, into the presence of God. What price are you willing to pay to worship Jesus? Yeah. What price are you willing to pay to worship Jesus? Now, <clears throat> I want to suggest maybe to you, or just before the suggestion, let us look at uh, what is the team for this year, you know? What's the team for SIB this year? Can you remember that? Together we follow Jesus. Let's say together we com- uh, with more conviction, one to go. Together we follow Jesus. I believe this is, you know, this partial uh, expectation is one good, you know, discipleship strength that can, you know, help us to follow Jesus that we come to worship with expectation. Now, I would like to propose a doable uh, expectation before you come for service. You know, I know that when each time we come, we rush here. We have to rush and, and wake up, you know, what time, and then I have to wake up and brush our teeth and then rush for, for time. And to, when we reach here, we have to go around, the car park up, up, up you know, all the way up. And then, you know, outside, we have to, you know, find a spot. And by the time we rush to leave and come up here, oh, we are late, and when we sit down, wow, we, are, we feel punctured. Our, our HP also has gone up very high, yeah? So how about this suggestion that when you come to church to worship God, come with expectation before you come, plan your time to arrive here 10 minutes early. 10 minutes early. So when you reach uh, 10 minutes early, you know, you settle down and uh, find your favorite seats. You know, some of, some of us say, I know that you come very early, half an hour or more, to, to ensure that your seats is not taken, yeah? But the rest of us, why don't we come just 10 minutes earlier? Just imagine, you know, the mad guys that travel so hard to come, take years maybe for them to reach uh, to, to the presence of God. You, for you to come 10 minutes early, it is not... A difficult task, right? Is it difficult? No. So, but you come, you know, you sit down just like, you know, uh, Mama Chu, you know, they'll come early, they'll sit down, they meditate, you know, sometimes meditate too long to become very quiet. It's okay, you know, when the when. You know, when the worship starts, join in, worship the Lord. Today we have a fantastic worship time, isn't it? I, I just enjoy worshiping God today. You know, it's so good. So we just join the worship, the praise, to rejoice, to clap your hands. And when it says raise your hand to worship the Lord, just follow and, you know, with that expectation, wow, it's going to be different. When it comes to the sermon time, wow, you know, just listen to the sermon, focus, maybe take some notes and then you know and and focus into what is happening and and with this expectation when you come go back when you go home from the service go home with expectation too you know, with this, that God is with you. The anointing is with you. The blessings of God is flowing through you back to your home and back to your workplace from Monday to Friday to Saturday. It is going to, you know, work is going to be a worship to God too. And it's going to be an enjoyable week when you come back the next week again to the presence of God. Isn't it a doable thing? Yeah, why don't you give a try, you know, on this, uh, yeah, this way that you can worship God? Now, how can we worship like the Magi? Let's read together. We must worship with expectation. Secondly, we must worship with expression. We find that when when this Magi left Herod's palace, the special star appeared. And suddenly, the Magi were connected with the star again and led them to where Jesus was. Just imagine, they were connected. It sounds very modern, right? That they, and it is, it is the star they were looking for. And in Matthew chapter 2, verse 10, we have read just now, it says that when they saw the star, they were overjoyed. Wow, Matthew just mentioned that not just happy. When they saw the star, they were happy. When they saw the star, they were joyful. But it says, overjoyed. It can't express the feeling when they saw the star shining at the house. Wow, they were overjoyed. And Amplified Version says, When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. It is compounded. The joy is many, many many times. You know, the words cannot express the feeling when they saw the star shining at the house. Just imagine, they just before they enter or they meet Jesus, they were really excited. They were really joyful, and uh, and such a tremendous expression of great joy in expectation to meet the King. Now, just imagine the scene, you know, all of them, the, king, the all the wise men, they put their arms around each other and they were jumping. Oh, bye, we found it! We found it! We are here, you know. Oh, they will be, some of them will be so happy and you know, joyful that tears begin to roll down their cheeks. It's not a tear of sadness but of tremendous joy. Wow, you know, we found it. We have made it. You know, they have, you know, it is, we are going to see the king. We are going to, when we enter the, the house, it's going to be tremendous. But before they enter, they are already joyful. How about you coming into the worship Time. Wow, it's such a great time of worshiping God and, and the joy just comes and you worship as you worship God before the, even the message starts. Just imagine it's a little scene. And what happened? When the Magi entered the house, they saw the child with Mother Mary. They fell down and worshiped him. Wow. Come on, it's. You know, just imagine this man just saw a child. When you see a child, when I recently met Jehan, you know, when I see him, I don't fall down and, to, to him, you see? You don't, right? Yeah, he's not, J, he, he's not JC, he's JH, you know? So, what happened was, these guys, we just know that he is a, they are wealthy. They are VVIPs in the status of the day. They are very educated people. But yet, when they saw this child, it is no ordinary child. This extraordinary star, when they saw this child, this is an extraordinary child that deserves to be worshipped. And the presence of God is just there. And they just fell to this child to worship just imagine that would you no one will fall in the sight of the child but this is something that we can learn from you know when we come to worship God it is not about our wealth it is not about our status it is not you know about all our degrees but it's a And God just wants us to come like a childlike faith, like this Magi. They come like a childlike faith. They come, you know, even with all the designers' clothing that they have, they did not, you know, they are not ashamed to just fall down to worship this king. And therefore, you know, when you come to worship God, just come like a childlike faith with sincerity, with an open heart to just come as you are to worship Him. You know, there are times in our healing uh, team, we have times that we do soaking, we will praise the Lord, we worship the Lord, and the presence of God is so intense. It is so strong that some of us will be prostrating on the ground, some of us kneeling to the Lord, some, and with hands lifted up, and some of us with tears just rolled down, And we understand, you know, the feeling of the Magi when they come into the presence, physical presence of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. They were just overjoyed and just soaking into this presence. And this, you know, awesome presence of God is what God wants us to experience. So as you come to your Father's house, how do you express your worship to Him? You know, it's important as we come here. Let us not be so conscious about a person behind us, in front of us, or, you know, the, out our left or right. But it's a moment of time when you come to worship just between you and God. Just express freely. Express freely to Him. And, uh, you know, that's why Jesus said when He entered, you know, when Jesus entered into Jerusalem, the scene, He was on the donkey bag. And then as he came into the city of Jerusalem, the people threw their clothes on the road. And then some of them would cut the palm uh, you know, leaves, and then they were waving and waving and shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Everybody were rejoicing and praising God with such an expression. We don't understand, and and, uh, you know, everybody will puzzle the disciples especially, and in verse 40, in Luke chapter um, 19, verse 40, it says that, if you don't worship me, and if you keep quiet, the stones will cry out to worship me. We are not stones, right? We are living people. Yeah, if Jesus was, is saying here, if you don't worship, the chairs you are sitting will rise up to worship. Wow, just imagine that. And Paul did the same expression. Paul has never had physical you know, time with the, with the Lord Jesus Christ except the vision that he saw. But he expressed in Philippians chapter 2, verse 8 to 11, he says that God has exalted Jesus up that you know, he had put place his name above all other name. That in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow in heavens, on earth, underneath the earth, and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Wow! Hallelujah! Someone just praise the Lord! Hallelujah! That is expression. Yeah, the Paul is also encouraging us to worship the Lord with expression. Now, how can I express my worship to God? We're thinking, well, I'm not Paul. Yeah, he suggests, but how can I do that? Now, let me show you some of the postures that you can, you know, express yourself to worship or to enhance your worship. Now, these are the postures that we can look at. You know when we stand up to worship the Lord, when stand up in reverence to the Lord, you know we hands with hands lifted up, with you know and praise the Lord, or when we stand up, you know we thank the Lord, you know thanking the Lord, Odelia, thanking the Lord, and just uh, uh, what they call to just worship as you stand in reverence to Him, or when you lift up your hands to the Lord, you know the word lifting up, you know Yada says I will exalt Thy name, and we lifted up hands, or you can clap. You know, we clap as we worship the Lord with excitement. And just as we sang the last song, you know, it says with the king, you know, it's buried, but it's risen again. Everyone, you know, in front, we were clapping. Or oh, you can dance before the Lord. Kneel before the Lord or prostrate before the Lord. Yeah? Yesterday after the service, someone said, I like that posture of prostrating. I said, are you saying that you prostrate so that you can later on go to sleep? Yeah, it is not that. It's about reverending you know, revering God in that position that He is God. You know, Pastor Chu and uh, Pastor Li Chu, they, they, you know, they are a great example for us. Wow, well, you can see them when they, you know, they attend four services. You only attend one service, right? But each service, they gave the best to the Lord in time of worship, and this is a very good sitting in the cascading, cascading, uh, you know, setting. And you can see him from every angle. You can see us in front, right? And you'll see him jumping, or you are see him lifted up of hands, and you're, you know, or sometimes they kneel down, or they will just clap their hands and worship the Lord. Such a great example that we can follow. And you only come for one service. I believe you can do better than that, right? They have to save up the energy, you know, for the next two services after that. Yesterday and today, already two, right? Two more to come. So, you have only one service. You can do better. Amen. You can give your all to worship. Yeah. And if you do not know how the posture that I've given to you, look at them from there. Oh, how, how they worship sound. Oh, okay, I want to follow. I follow this way to worship. Just do that. And express freely to the Lord. Now, how can we worship like the Magi? We worship. Let's read together. We must worship with expectation. We must worship with expression. And thirdly, we must worship with extravagance. Now, in verse 11, when the Magi came into the house, they saw the child with Mary. They worshiped him. Yeah, the words, you know, we read the sound, it says they worshiped him, not them. Yeah. The mother, Mary, must be beside the child. But, you know, the pronoun here, it's him and not them. Yeah? Not them. So it's important. Is This bad knew who is the king, who is God that they worship. And they bow down to the child and not to the mother. And uh, what happened? After that, they opened up the treasures and presented gifts to him. We see the right posture of the bad here. They worship God first. Not the other way, or trying to impress the little child with the gifts first. Yeah, we, we usually try to impress people with what we, you know, first thing gifts first, right? Yeah, but here you see the Magi have the right principle of worship. They worship God first; the gifts are secondary. Now, you find that in the Webster dictionary, I check it out. It says they define they define extravagance as excessively elaborate. Spending much more than necessary. Lavish. You know, when they came to the house, they brought these gifts to them. And, you know, it was excessive in the standard maybe because when they come to the house, it was just a simple home. Maybe not enough furniture for them to sit down. But yet... They did were not stingy in their gifts, but they were extravagant, given more than to, you know what it looks like they deserve it. But the king of kings that they are worshiping deserve the extravagance, the best of their worship, and they they lavish on them. You know they uh, mm, the magi bring expensive gifts. And it looked too excessive. They are spending more than necessary on, on Jesus. Jesus' family actually maybe do not need so much either. But the Magi lavish all the expensive best gifts they brought that befit the king. Amen. That is a posture of their worship when they saw King Jesus. They worship him first, and they bring the gifts. Now this gift, they didn't even know that it is prophetic. So when we worship God, you know, when we bring gifts to God, we didn't even know it is designed and planned by God into our heart to bring the correct gifts to God. It is a prophetic gift. Why is it prophetic? You look at gold. Gold it represents royalty, that he came and acknowledged Jesus as a king. Frankincense is a perfume or an incense that is to do with worship God. Yeah? He, they, they represents God, and thirdly, mirth. Yeah? It's about humanity, man. He's fully man, and they worship him. But of all the gifts, yeah, it's prophetic, and I see that it is ordained, it is planned by God to give the gifts to the Son. And, uh, and this prophetic act of worship, especially on the mirth that you can see, who on earth, you know what is mirth? Mirth is used to embalm dead bodies. And do you give mirth to a child? When you see the child, you bring diapers, you bring something else, right? But they bring mirth. And this prophetic act that we can see is that the mirth was used to anoint Jesus' body after it was crucified on the cross. Isn't that a prophetic act? That this, maybe they don't understand that they brought this, why am I bringing this, you know? But anyway, they brought, and it was ordained and planned by God, even on the gifts. Now, question is, the Magi brought the best to worship the king. What would you bring your best to God this morning as you come to worship him? What is your best that you can bring to worship him? Just think for a, a moment. We find that the wise men, firstly, they worship and they put God first. They focus on Jesus first. How about you bringing your best attention during the service time? It's your best gift to God during the service time. You know, I know handphones today is very important. Yeah, we, we can't live without it. But Pastor Chu can, no? he doesn't carry one handphone with him. <laughs> but it's, it's such an important gadget and, and so convenient but it's also a great distraction, right? Why is it a great distraction? Because we are sitting and, it, you, know, and uh, you, you did not put in silent mode when it, uh, something busts you. You, want, you have a tendency to reply the message. And even some of us try to find a corner and try to play some video games when the message is going on. Wow, is this happening now? Somebody are smiling there. And... Uh, you know, how about focusing on God when we say is that we want to give our best gift to God? Can we just put aside our handphone? Uh, you know, somebody, somebody, you know I, I left it in the office so that I, I don't have to carry it with me. yeah. So that I can be, from, from this day onwards, I was thinking, since I what, was, uh, what I call, uh, Preparing this message, he really speak to me. Hey, put your handphone away, you know. You are telling people you better do that. <laughs> you know, I don't want to be the, uh, the scribes and the Pharisees, uh, where we talk only, uh, no action. Now secondly, they opened their treasury and give it all to Jesus. You can never separate worship with giving. You know, when people worship, they give sacrificially. I would like to, you know, give you an illustration of my personal spiritual journey on giving. I stand humbly before you uh, how I practice giving as my worship to God. It is not that I have plenty, but with what I have, I gave reverently as my worship to God. Now, when I learned the importance of tithing and giving, I resolved in my heart to obey God's Word. I always give my tithes and offering, you know, uh, every week. Because as a student then, I get my allowance on Monday, and I may come to Sunday, that's when I give my tithes and offering. But one particular week, you know, in my pocket, I realized that I have only enough to pay my tithes. And there was a tussle in my mind, thinking, should I give? If I give now, I would have to miss my lunch fellowship with my friends. And uh, how am I going to get home? And it took a while. There was a tussle in my, in my spirit, and it took a while. And uh, that I was trying to justify the mind is, hey, I can always pay it up next week. And I, I thought if I were to miss giving this, this time, I would have many misses or excuses in the future. So I gave. What happened? Did I miss my lunch? Did I walk home? After the service, you know, one brother just came to me and says, hey, Gilbert, thank you for helping me in my wedding, uh, you know, a few months ago. And this, you know, this is just a small anmpao for you. Wow. few months ago, you know. <laughs> yeah. And uh, that very act, you know, gave me a very, just pushed up my faith in this conviction about giving to God. And the act of faith taught me that when I put God first and honor what is due to Him, even if I left nothing, but God was good. He is good. And He will continue to be good tomorrow. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Let's give God praise for that. The next giving lesson I learned was, you know, during my time, not this church then, you know, I, we have a lot of faith pledge, or they call faith promise, where we give to mission, and we pledge to building fund and so forth. And, uh, and I usually give what I can afford. But there's one time I was challenged to give more than what I can afford. And I took up the challenge fearfully. But God again proved to me I can fulfill the pledge. So from then on, giving began to increase from four figures, five figures, six figures. Now please understand, I'm standing and sharing this with you with with humility and not with pride. But to encourage you, my journey, giving more is never easy. It's still never easy today. You know, giving more, giving extravagantly is never easy task. But before you can give more, we have to start from the first step. To be faithful in giving what belongs to God. Just as Jesus says, give to Caesar what is due to Caesar. Give to God what is, what is due to God. Now from there, God will expand your faith to give much more. More than you Whatever expected you can give, more you know than you can ever expect that you can give. You know this is a lesson I learned, and this is what the Lord wants us to teach us about worshiping Him, and giving is part of our act of worship to Him. And our God is, you know, is. I found that this Magi, when they saw the extraordinary star, it is you know, also represents that our God is an extraordinary God. Amen? Do you think our God is an extraordinary God? Amen. Therefore, this extraordinary God deserves our extravagant offering of worship. Amen? Can you say this together with me? Extraordinary God deserves extravagant worship. Amen. No, I stand before you, not a rich man. And I'm not poorer because I gave. But I stand before you, declaring that God is good. And He certainly deserves our extravagant giving as our worship to Him. Amen. Praise the Lord. Let's give Him praise. Now the Oxford Dictionary gives us another definition. He says that, Extravagant is wasteful. Now, there's a story in, in the Bible in Jesus' time, of course. You know, there's an act of extravagance given by this woman. And this act is, was so impactful that all the four Gospels captured the story. And it talks about this sinful woman. Yeah, he, she took a jar of alabaster perfume. She came to Jesus, opened it up, and then she poured it over the head of Jesus. And the aroma of the perfume just went out to the room. It was such a sweet scent. And beside them, beside her, the people were commenting how wasteful it is because it costs more than one year of salary. More than one year of salary. Just imagine whatever you're earning, giving away extravagantly one year of your salary to the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, is it wasteful? To this sinful woman, she gave extravagantly to the Lord. And what did she receive? God forgave extravagantly. Amen. Now this... This story, it just teaches brothers and sisters that God does not ask us to do what He has not done. He always gives us extravagantly. What has He done? He has given us His Son. He has given us abundant life. He has given us grace that we don't deserve. And this is our God that, that gave us everything, gave us the best. And how much more we who believe in him that says that he's an extraordinary God should be whole to give the best to God. How then can you give God extravagantly? When the time that you want to think about giving, remember, you can never outgive God. Now, in conclusion, you know, this is very astounding. The condition the, you know, when I look into verse 12. This, this verse that says, Matthew chapter 2, verse 12, and it is a good takeaway that we can learn from the response of this Magi. He says that having warned in the dream not to go back to Herod, the Magi left for their own country by another way. You know, this is a you know, very interesting verse. Why? Because Initially when, the first lesson we can learn is, initially when they came, before they encountered Jesus, they were looking for answers. They were asking for the Bible, that uh, verses that can direct into, uh, into God's presence and to find out what the Bible says that they can find the King. But then when they encountered Jesus' presence, God spoke to them directly when they encountered Jesus, God spoke to them directly. Why? Because they have met the king. They have met the king of the Jews and the Messiah. And secondly, God instructed them to use a new way and not to go back to the old ways they came from. For the old ways, you know, it says that the old ways awaits Herod's spirit of insecurity. Hypocrisy Evil influences And also indifferent leaders there Who know the truth And are not applying the truth So God spoke to them and says Go in a new way To go, to go home How many of us here Wants to experience God Directly And not secondhand? Do you want to You know, do you want that Yes, yes I believe all of us want that, that God, you can connect with God directly. And secondly, how, can, how many of us want to walk on the new way with God and forsake our old ways? That's important. Yeah, How can we walk in a new way? We need to forsake our old ways. Then this is how you must worship like the Magi. We thank God for this example that the Magi has given to us. And that is, we must worship with expectation. Let's pray together. We must worship with expectation. We must worship with expression. We must worship with extravagance. Let worship be your life. Let worship be your lifestyle. Because you have an extraordinary God that deserves your extravagant worship. Let's just raise our hands to the Lord as I dismiss with a prayer. Wonderful God, thank you for expounding this thanks of God that we can understand to worship you God is an act of God of our love to you and to reverend you God and I pray in Jesus name as we go with this word as we apply it I pray that the Lord that each life here will move into a new level of faith with you, a new level of love with you, God, and express, experience, God, a great, oh Lord, joy of knowing you. And I bless everyone here even as they go. May they go, Lord, with your blessing. Therefore, I bless you. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord's radiant smile always shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord always turn His face towards you and grant Him and grant you His peace. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.